The following is brought to you in association with and from a proud partner of the Shining Wizards Network. Entertainment here. This is Mike Hill from Tombs, and you're listening to Radioactive Metal. is Radioactive Metal, your source for news, views, tunes, and interviews. Here are your hosts, Snowy, Rock, Corrine, and Aaron. What's up, everyone? Welcome to an entombed episode of Radioactive Metal. This is episode 704, and I'm Snowy White. And I'm Aaron, and dear listeners, this episode, like every episode, is brought to you by the fine folks at Truco Coffee. T-R-V-E-K-V-L-T coffee.com. The hottest, the blackest, the most metal coffee. Go there today. Get on the email list. At minimum, if you do nothing else on that website, get on the email list because then you'll know about cool things, collaborations. Who was the last collaboration, Snowy? Was it Midnight? Yes. Okay, oh, yeah, Midnight. For yeah, sure. the last collaboration was Midnight. Um, these guys are real metalheads making real coffee for real people. This is not some giant corporation saying, hey, What's a marketing angle nobody's tried yet? These are people like you and me, raising families, you know, just the the average American metalhead, right? Mm-hmm. In other words, in this case, the, the average North American metalhead, <laughs> That's right? Right? That's what's going on here. But the great news about most metalheads is... um we're all fairly much the same as far as how society views us, um, regardless mm-hmm. of where we are in the world or what our native tongue might be. So, welcome to all my metal brethren and sisterin. How do you say it? Like, brethren is like brothers, right? But, like, how do you say sisters like that? Is there a sister oh, or, is, or well, sisters think, included in the brethren? I think, yeah. Yeah, I think brethren isn't, it, it doesn't... Um... So like, gender specific, it's non-binary. It's not gender specific. Okay. Yeah, I think it's it 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 covers. It's always felt very masculine, like, but okay. Yeah, it does kind of. Now I could be wrong. I could be wrong. Like no, I've we could definitely be wrong. I've, I feel like that's like our thing. But, yeah. <laughs> but I digress, and that's not yes. what's important. What's important is you go to truecallcoffee.com, get yourself some coffee. 
co- coffee. If you subscribe, not only do you not run out of coffee, but you get great music every month, and mm-hmm. that's a hell of a bonus. So, Truco Coffee, T-R-V-E-K-V-L-T Coffee, dot com. Possess yourself a cup today. What's going on there, sir, man? Well, once again, as we are sitting down and discussing this, um, it is a Friday night, and unfortunately, you know what? I'm starting to think maybe we should have held off another day and recorded tomorrow night, even though I got a full-packed weekend. It's probably best that we do this now, because tomorrow, as we speak, is Record Store Day Part 2 this year. Yeah, I saw that. I was looking at stuff. I don't know if I'm going to make it tomorrow. Tomorrow is uh, Daddy-Daughter Day. Right. Um, it was supposed to be a Daddy-Daughter dance, and my daughter decided, nah, I don't want to go to the dance. Let's just go do some fun stuff. And so she's made a list of things, and I'm going to hopefully modify the list. And not to do like things I want to do, but I don't think she realizes all the fun things I'm willing to do with her. Like... I don't mind if she wants to go, you know, clothes shopping, jewelry shopping, that sort of stuff, you know, Mm. because. No, I hear you. Yeah, because like I'm a dude and uh, I can handle it. And anybody that can't probably shouldn't be having children. But hold on. No, for sure. No, for sure. For sure. There's this meme that comes across my desk every once in a while. And it's this big, burly, muscular guy with a big beard and all that. And he's sitting in his little daughter's bedroom. Oh, I love those. Play, with it, playing tea party. They're playing tea party and they're both dressed like princesses. Yeah. And and, and the caption is, it, it, it doesn't matter how macho you think you are. When your little girl wants to be a princess and play tea party, you're going to be a princess and, be, and play tea party. That's exactly And it's like, yeah. Yeah, fortunately, my daughter kind of spared me from all of that stuff. She was kind of like in the the more nerdy stuff, the more geeky stuff, and and all that. But we always found lots of fun activities in the hobby shops and all that 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 we always did together. And I I tried to teach her to catch a ball when she was she was a kid. It just didn't work. I taught her to ride a bike. And if she wanted to play princess tea party dress up, I would have done it. I would have done it just like you would have. Oh, absolutely. Because a, a, a real man can do that. And my daughter is very, she is, she's such an interesting blend because she is very girly where everything okay. is pinks and purples. But she's mm-hmm. also has very much the tomboy spirit where she likes sports and she wants to try to learn to surf this summer. You oh, know, right on. Like, she's not into, like, the comics and stuff. And it she wants to be. That's the thing. is like, <laughs> I, and I totally feel her pain because, cause like, I went through this for a long time where I wanted to read comics, but I couldn't find my set of stories. I couldn't figure out what my interests were. You know, it, it right. literally took me years. Like, it's only been probably since my son was born that I've been regularly finding stuff I want to read at the comic shops, you know? And mm-hmm. like we take her and she's like, what about this? Like everything that, that interests her is always like, like a rated, like not T for teen or MA or something like that. I'm like, no, sweetie. Like, and I'll flip through it just to see. I'm like, oh yeah, no, this is, this is still above it. So like any of the stuff that's this, like yeah. appropriate for her level, 
is it's it's all very boy oriented, you know. Well, fair enough. You're like, like very boy interested. So, yeah. so I don't know. So we're, we're still navigating that, but she's also very crafty. Like, um, you know, like the one day she's she's building something, and I can't remember what she was making by watching some YouTube video. I said, "Oh, you should look up this." And um, do you remember kids making duct tape wallets in the nineties? Duct tape wallets, no. So that was a big thing among the younger punks, right? So like when I was in my mid to late twenties, we're talking the the uh, the punks that were in their late teens to early twenties, and okay. them coming up, they are making everything out of duct tape, and they would like you know use the duct tape make a wallet, use the duct tape make a suit, make a coat, whatever they needed to make, you know. Um, and that's also when silver duct tape was really cheap. Well, now you've got all these fancy colored duct tapes. And so, you know, I told my daughter, I'm like, hey, check this out. You can make a duct tape wallet. And so she's, you know, looking at the stuff and checking things out. Well, son of a gun, she keeps going. She figured out how to make a duct tape purse. And so she has made a purse that is entirely duct tape, like nothing else. If you see this, you'll think that like she wrapped duct tape around it. And that's not the case. Every last bit of it is duct tape. And um, just, I'm just so proud of her and her ingenuity. Like, I'm always trying to encourage that. So I'm hoping maybe tomorrow, you know, I can encourage her. I'm like, hey, let's go hit some thrift stores. Let's look for raw materials and let's build some stuff, you know. Well, for sure, for sure. Keep that creativity young or get, get them going young and, you know, hopefully they'll keep it a lifetime. That's what I'm trying to do. That's what I'm right trying on. to do. Right on. Yeah, it's also going to be daddy-daughter day with my little one, Okay. Which is which is every Saturday morning and then into the afternoon. Fortunately, she's a avid comic collector too, like her mother and I. So our first stop is, of course, to get a coffee to get her mother caffeinated. Some Timmy Hoes, and then <laughs> some Timmy Hoes. Yeah, unfortunately, and then we hit we hit the comic shops, and you know we spend we spend some some time there and all that. It's going to be a little bit different this weekend, though, now that I'm thinking about it, because uh, coming up this Sunday, as we speak, is it Father's Day? It sure is on Sunday. Down down there? Okay, that's fantastic, um, because it's Father's Day up here as well. And for Father's Day this year, and it's kind of funny, and I'll get to why this is funny in a second, but it's kind of funny... That the legendary Dayglo abortions are going to be in town just for Father's Day. Like, what a what a freaky coincidence! Of course, our longtime listeners will know who the legendary Dayglo abortions are on. We've had Murray and the crew on a number number of times over the years. Really good friends of the show. And what was really cool about this was um, just. It being Father's Day, okay. <laughs> okay. Now I don't expect my daughter, who just is not into music at all, I don't expect her to sit through four hard hardcore punk bands. But Mrs. Snowy is stuck with me <laughs> for the whole show. She's got to come down and enjoy it with me, or at least try to. So extra horns up for her and wish her all the best because I think she might need it. I mean, going out for a show like this on a Sunday night just isn't her thing, but 
you know, when you're in a relationship like ours, we don't mind stepping up for one another. Speaking of which, yeah. I don't think that I mentioned this last episode, and I really should have, but just a couple days ago, speaking of Mrs. Snowy, 33 years on the 14th, just a couple days ago as we speak. Rock 33 on, years. Dude. Congratulations. Yeah, it's hard to believe. Now, it's not 33 years together on paper, like married. We we always acknowledge that's, that's like what two years, two and a half. No, no, no. It was more. It was more like ten. <laughs> I, well, I know, but that's why I'm that's why I'm joking because because I know uh, you guys were together for years before you ever for, like, yeah put it on paper. Decade before we had a party and wrote, and, and wrote it on, on the paper and all that. So we always acknowledge June 10th, 1989 as our anniversary. So we had, we had a really great time, took her out to her favorite restaurant. And yeah, yeah, you really, I really can't complain. So once again, my love, happy anniversary. And here is to many, many more. Before we kind of get on, with the grunt oh no yeah yeah the reason why it was so so important that the daigle abortions come through town on this day apart from murray being a dad himself okay the last time the daigles were in town was on murray's birthday that that weekend the daigles did a show at bulldogs that awesome venue that i'm always talking about then the very next night they played a basement show for his birthday at my buddy travis's place oh, that's awesome who we had on the show too yeah you'll remember this was a couple of years ago now you'll remember <laughs> it's me talking about that awesome show and then for the afterwards when people started piling out and all that like murray and i we just hung out and Trav's backyard and we just shot the shit all night about music and life and the business and it was like five it was like five in the morning when I finally was like okay dude I gotta rock and roll <laughs> I gotta get going here but yeah so hopefully um this weekend between record store day and Dago's coming through town for Father's Day hopefully we can uh make as many great memories this time as well uh before we do kind of get on with it a couple more things a little more house cleaning here i want to say horns up and happy birthday to the late great lucio fulci now who okay like the majority i'm sure i'm sure that the majority of our our listeners especially the older ones are big horror film fanatics on top of their love of aggressive music. Like, those two just kind of seem to go hand in hand. So if you enjoy some of the more underground, for the lack of a better term, type horror movies, you're definitely going to be familiar with a lot of Fulci's work. Uh, Gates of Hell, House by the Cemetery, The New York Ripper, all of these classic, classic um early 80s late 70s um italian horror films absolutely fantastic stuff in 1996 mr fulci left us but left left behind this this awesome legacy and today as we speak is his birthday so happy birthday yeah happy birthday mr fulci and thank you 
for everything. Now, before we kind of get on with uh, our mandatory metal segment for True Cavalt Coffee, I'm kind of taking a page out of your book here. Yeah. Okay. Like, you enjoy doing the the, uh, locally brewed beers. Big fan, yes. Support your local brewers. I'm honestly yeah. just becoming a really big fan of trying to support as many local businesses as I can in general. Oh, of course, of course. Now, now more than ever. Well, when I stopped on the way home, okay, to grab some supplies for tonight, which that means you know uh, some lemmies, a bottle of Jack. I went through all of the um, independently brewed uh, beers and I grabbed a couple cans. Okay, one from Trans Canada Brewing right here in um, right here in Winnipeg. I grabbed a bottle or I grabbed a can of a lamp lighter, and there is this really cool, old school. It looks like maybe from the '40s hockey picture of a goaltender being scored on. Nice. Uh, it, it, it's an old hockey picture. Now, can you deduce what a lamp lighter with regards to hockey would be? In hockey, no. Yes. Um, and, you know, early 1900s England, they would go around and turn on the gas lamps. <clears throat> ah, right, right. Well, a lamp lighter in hockey, when you score a goal, the goal light goes on. Oh, as soon as it you said that, I'm like, jumped. oh, yeah, duh, I should know that yeah. one. <laughs> yeah, so... Yeah, and obviously very Canadian, a beer called Lamp Lighter. <laughs> okay, very, very Canadian. Yeah, I, I think you can only get more Canadian by calling it maple syrup. Oh, definitely, definitely. You know. And I grabbed another one, an Angry Fish, um, which is a, uh, it's inspired by and is the official beer of our double-A baseball team, the Winnipeg Gold Eyes. Rock on, dude. And I have, I already have an an angry fish with the collection. You know, whenever I see, whenever whenever I buy a kick ass beer like this with a, with a cool can, I always save the can. And I I got a nice collection. I've already got an angry fish, but it's a different logo. So when I saw this, it's like, okay, I need that one. I need that one. So what we're gonna do is I'm gonna crack crack this lamp lighter here right now. And then after a couple more lemmies, I'll get to my angry fish. And we're going to have a good time tonight. There we go. Let's see. Let's give this the old snowy taste test. Not that I'm a really big independent beer drinker, but here, let's see. Oh, that's nice. Now, which one was this? Was this the lamplighter? It's the lamplighter. Now, what, like, what's the style? Is it like an IPA, a lager? What are we talking here? Uh, see, I really don't know what. It's a malt forward amber. Oh, malt forward amber. Okay. Yeah, whatever that means. Yeah, I don't know, I don't know what it means either. Amber this. tends to be, I think, like a lager. Like, like this is where, like, I, I know what I like, and this is stuff I get. <clears throat> uh-huh. um, so I, I don't know all the little fancy terms, but I'm always just curious. So oh, you, this is an amber ale. Okay, an amber ale. Okay. Yes. Uh, so this can be, have more of a reddish color to it. So kind of like a Killian's red, typically, when people say an amber ale. Um, okay. 
so tell me tell me more about the taste and the finish let's 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 do this up you know like like we're snooty taste testers <laughs> yeah, yeah. well it's not as strong as a lot of it's it's like some like i find the maybe it's just because i've just my taste buds have been watered down by corporate beer like your labats your molson and shit and shit like that i don't know if you have those oh, yeah. those are the canadian equivalent of budweiser or miller yeah whatever Maybe because those are the that's the stuff that I've had the most access to over the years. Maybe that's that shit has killed my palate for a good independent beer. No, typically what's going on is that stuff is so weak, like like just alcohol content and flavor wise. And it's it's so homogenized that your taste buds are figuring out what the hell's going on. Uh, when you drink these other ones. Uh, okay. So, you know, like like I noticed when I first started trying different craft beers, it took a while to find what I liked. But then once I found what I liked and that's what I kept drinking, um, then stuff that I didn't like before, I'm like, oh, okay, now, like, you know, it's kind of like my, my taste buds were awakened. And then, like, when right. I drink, like, the cheap stuff now, um, I can put it away like it's nobody's business because, like, water. Right. Right. You know. Yes. Yeah, I think like most of like the, the the independent stuff. Yeah, it is strong. It is does taste kind of bitter. This these lamplighters, it feels much like those. So yeah, I could grab a case of lamplighters and nice. pound them okay. back. At that you know, like like I would grab an eighteen of of blue. Take it to Sky's place, our former co-hostess, and then like, I just pound him back all night. Rock on, right? I wouldn't be able to do that with a lot of these independent brews, but I think the lamp lighter here. But I don't know if I don't know if I want to do that because I'm looking at the can here, and it's a really cool design and all that. And I don't know if I'd want to take a take a case to 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 a house party and then the cans end up getting trashed or something, <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know, so, so yeah, for special occasions like this, uh, maybe that's when, when I'll enjoy these. So yeah, no, this, this lamplighter, really good stuff. And, and no, we're not being sponsored tonight by anything in case anyone is accusing us of selling out or anything. No, this is just, I thought it was a really cool design. Aaron, Aaron would 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 would, would dig it. I know Mrs. Snow is gonna, and because she's she she loves hockey as well, and it's gonna look good in our collection. Well, you know what's so, funny is yeah. you and I both buy beer based on the art, and which is uh-huh. very similar to how we buy records. Uh yeah. Sometimes. You know, I, I I find that funny, and what I think is even better is thankfully that hasn't. Um, you know, so far, it's, it's worked out really well for us. Like, like there might be like once where I got a can of beer where the art was amazing. I'm like, oh, this is trash. You know, like, oh, this is awful. That same thing with records, you know. But but for the most part, if the art's cool, whatever's underneath the art is also good. <laughs> it's going to be, yeah. Yeah. And if it's not, we'll, we'll just deny it. We'll just tell everyone, no, I fucking love this record. Yeah. Oh, hell no. Yeah. I'll, I'll write it down and be like, learn my lesson. 
yeah. Well, we're going to get a lesson in really cool music tonight in our mandatory metal section, uh, courtesy of the good folks at True Cavalt Coffee. Agonia Records released the new denouncement pyre record forever burning i was giving it a spin earlier this week and it's like yeah this is definitely true cavalt so without further ado denouncement pyre with forever burning Fuck 
we've been very busy this week. Here's our metal fix. Mm, oh, this is really good stuff, dude. What uh, what you got going on? All right. So the first thing I have to tell you, well, so a couple things. You're talking about Diglo abortions. And it got me thinking of a band. I don't know if I've ever told you about this band before. In Pittsburgh, local band called Aborted Youth. Oh, okay. And um, it was a bass player and a guitarist that would perform with a drum machine. So it was basically the death metal version of the White Stripes. <laughs> nice. Okay. Uh, dude, it was fantastic. It, it it really was. We absolutely loved them. They were insane. And um, here I am trying to Google them, right? Because Google knows everything. And everybody believes that Google knows everything. So I'm Googling Aborted Youth Band Pittsburgh. The only shit that comes up, Locus Abortion Technician, PUP, the official website. Abortion, police absence still presents problems. A doctor named an abortion case. For the love of God, people, um, dial it back, chill out, turn off the agenda, and realize there are some of us that still have a sense of humor. And mm-hmm. would like to find these old bands. Like, bless you. Google really Thank does you. not Sorry. know everything. And um, I'm tired of people thinking that. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, definitely, definitely. Because yeah. you're, you're right. It, it, it could have meant anything. Because when I heard the name Aborted Youth, it's like, okay, that could either be a brutal 90s death metal band. Which is exactly what it was. Which is exactly what it was, or it could have been a really cool early '80s hardcore punk band. Yes, yeah, and yeah. and honestly, that, they could have swung either way. way depending on the day. They 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 were uh-huh. really fun. Oh, okay, right on. Yeah, yeah, super fun. They were a good time. Um, fuck, what was I just? Oh, so check this out. So we were doing some sort of trivia game at work, and. What's killing me is I can't remember what the question was, but the answer was Winnipeg. And I was the only person to get it right. And um, (laughs) they're like, how did you know that? I'm like, well, because my co-host and I talk about it all the time. You know, I said, we talk, and and I can't remember what it was. I'm like, yeah, I said, but we talk about that. I said, we talk about Tim Hortons. And then somebody, you know, in the chat trying to be all sly, they're like, uh, they only call it Tim's there, Aaron. Sorry. I'm like, it could be Tim's or Timmy Ho's. Thank you. But for the rest of us who are not Canadian, it's Tim Hortons. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah. So I I had to bring that up because I feared you'd be proud of me. Right on. It was a sport that started, that originated in Winnipeg. That's what it was. I think that's what it was. Damn. Oh, okay. I'm trying to think. I don't think it was hockey. No, it wasn't hockey. No, but it, it was something that was a sport. Was... And as soon and, and I think they even said this sport that originated in Canada started originated in what Canadian city? And I had an idea before she said Canadian city, and as soon as she said Canadian, okay. I'm like, oh, it's Winnipeg. Like I just yeah. Knew, well, you know, yeah, I I know it's not basketball. Was it lacrosse? Maybe, maybe that was it. I, 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 like I said, I, I don't remember, and I'm pretty sure it was a sport. I don't know. Well, you know okay. just, well, the hey. important thing is that I was thinking about <laughs> you this week at work, and you know, I, I got the trivia question right because of our friendship. <laughs> oh, there we go. That's what's That's important. What I like to That's what's important. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. No, no, and I, I know a thing or two, and well, I always because of 
my interest in sports and particularly professional wrestling when you when you see like band tour dates all across the US and all that like I've I've picked up on the US geography like I could sit down on it with a piece of paper write the lead the numbers 1 through 50 and I will fill all 50 states it, you know, like it might, it might take a couple minutes, you know, but like I, I, I can, can name it's, it's not, I, I can't do it in alphabetical order or anything like that, but I can, I, I, I can tell you within maybe 10 minutes, like all, all 50 states. When I was a kid, I could, I had this awesome right. pencil box that had a map of the U S with the states on it. And then you <laughs> turned a wheel and I gave you the state, um, and the state capital, and I ah. so I knew all the states and all the capitals for a while. Like I loved it. Just as 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 a kid, I was so disappointed. As I got older, I couldn't figure out what state. Well, no, I eventually learned that it was Kansas, but what state Smallville was in? <laughs> you know, yeah. and I still have I still haven't figured out what state Gotham City is in. Like what the hell? Well, so <laughs> I'm trying to think: is Gotham near? Uh, Metropolis, because Metropolis okay. is technically in Kansas as well. Yeah, yeah. Okay, that's according. That's only according to the um, the DC expanded universe movies. Okay. The this the Superman, the the Man of Steel, the uh, the Wonder Woman movies, and the Justice League movies, and all that. In that universe, oh my God, this is going to get really geeky here. We're so nerdy. I love it. <laughs> in that in that universe, yes. Uh, Metropolis and, and Gotham are just across the river from one another. But I, I in the comic, yeah, in the comic books, I think it's a different situation. Yeah, see, I didn't think they were that close. Yeah, in the comics, because then you've got like Oliver Queen in the Green Arrow comics, and I feel like Coast City and Central City are Central, near Star Seattle, City, yeah. but they're you know not exactly there. So yeah, yeah, they. they I, I, I've always appreciated that um, Marvel and Stan Lee essentially just used U.S. cities and that right. DC exclusively <laughs> made up crazy city names. Well, you know? it keeps them apart. Yeah, yeah Exactly. It's, it's their own little personality. But yeah, that's fun stuff. Yeah, yeah. So what else you got here? All right. So remember that um, I joined the Metallica Vinyl Club for the second year in a row. Mm-hmm. I've already had gotten my first shipment, um, and my second shipment is here in my hand. And if you recall, when we started talking about the changes last year, that they were going to move from a 45 to a 12-inch single, so from the 7-inch to the 12-inch, mm-hmm. I was pretty excited because I feared that would mean some really cool art. So the first one I got this year, not so much. Um you know, it, it was big art, but it wasn't that great. This one, not only is it full album size, wonderful art, it's pusshead art. Ah. Right? Like, probably hands down one of my all-time favorite artists, Pusshead. You betcha. So I've got Pusshead. Now, the other cool thing is on a 45, typically you get two songs. You know, an A-side and mm-hmm. B-side. Oh yeah, unless it's a hardcore grindcore, and you could get up to like three songs, songs on right. the side. Yeah, yeah. 
But um, so what I love about this, and I was hoping, is when instead of there just being two songs, now there are four songs. Two on the A side, two on the B side. This is St. Anger Live Rarities. The songs are Sweet Amber, Unnamed Feeling, Dirty Window, and Some Kind of Monster. And then here's the really cool thing. I've been waiting to open this until um, we're on the air. Ooh, I like it when we do this stuff. I cracked it open. I've got my... Shoot, there goes my download card. I I love that they do that, the download card. Okay, so here's the cool thing. So it's got the St. Anger album cover, like the bound wrist in the four colors. That is the jacket for the record, right? Ah. And it's... Dude, the art on this is gorgeous. Then you flip the jacket over, and it's some classic, again, like the gruesome pushead zombie kind of art. And, um, oh, man, I love this. Right on. Oh, here we go. On the back of the jacket, on the jacket is St. Anger. That's right, people. Wanna? Yes, I know you wanna. And it says, coming out to the most uncertain time in the band's history. We felt rejuvenated, reinvigorated, extra alive, blah, 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 blah. I love, I love this. Strap in, turn it up, turn on the snare, and enjoy. (laughs) Turn on the snare. Like, oh. I love that he owns that. I love that he owns it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, dude, I mean, it's it's black vinyl, so it's not like it's a special colored vinyl, but just the jacket alone, it's great. Now, here's the other cool thing. So, I've been bombarded with amazing artwork, and there is still more um, art here, and it is a huge poster with Pusshead art and then live photos of the band. Oh, nice. Dude, like, like this... This is everything I hoped the Vinyl Club would be in one single package. Like, this is just amazing. Like, everything that I hoped they would eventually do happened in this particular release. And I am so thrilled it's ridiculous. Right on, right on. Yeah, that's... I have a a love-hate relationship with the St. Anger record, but for the most part, I... When when it came out and I gave it the, the once through, it's like, yeah, that snare just sounds absolutely horrible. But if if you just listen to the accompanying uh, the DVD, DVD and all that where they but that that sounds phenomenal. And it's like, okay, this is the record where I could see them trying to go back to the Metallica that I loved in the eighties and all that. And that was the that was the first step to the band you know, with the hardwired, like, okay, this is the band that I knew. Well, and, and oh, it's funny yeah. you, you, you put it like that, because that's kind of how it felt to me as well, because so many people hated that record. I loved it. Um, like, I, I honestly, I love the sound. The snare, the snare is definitely too much. Like, I can't take the snare for very long. Um, mm-hmm. Pardon me, excuse me. But, um... I, I love the songs. I love the writing. I'm bummed there's no guitar solos. I would I would love to have seen some Kirk Hammett guitar solos over the top of that. Yeah. Yeah, that <clears> was <throat> so weird with that record. You have I, one of the greatest, best players on the planet. Fucking use them. Well, <laughs> I, I, I really think that it was, it was a conscious... So kind of like, you know when Slayer did... Um, oh, fuck. Rain and Blood. Slayer did Rain and Blood. Okay. The next record, they made a very conscious decision to play slowly. Yeah, you know? South of Heaven. 
Be, because they're like, there's no way we're ever going to beat this. And if we try to play as fast as Rain and Blood again, people are going to let us know if it's not. And so they made a very conscious effort to slow it down completely and do something completely different. Right. And it worked. And I think that after Load and Reload <clears throat> and the Black Album and all that sort of stuff, that they decided to make that conscious effort. Like, let's do all sorts of different things, right? Like, let's take out the solos. Let's take some risks. Let, let's take, t- you know, because to me, St. Anger is a much more experimental record, you know? Because, mm-hmm. uh, like, I mean, the Black Album, like, as, as much as I have a love-hate with it just because of what happened to Metallica afterwards, you can't deny that those are great songs, right? They're, they're great songs. When you hear all the other artists that cover them on the Blacklist album, it's like there is no denying that they did some amazing songwriting work, that those songs translate into everything, right? So, um, there's, it's, it's hit and miss for me personally. Uh, have you listened to the Blacklist? No. Oh, no. I don't really know anything about that except what okay. it is. No, I, I haven't listened to that. But Listen the, to the, the Blacklist black because you'll have like so. 30 people in a row covering Enter Sandman and vice versa and all these other songs. But when you hear <laughs> all these other artists and some of them are, you know, heavy artists, some of them are like Miley Cyrus, pop artists, right? Right. So when you hear these pop artists covering a Metallica song that you know has some Paul's heavy guitar and you don't realize what it is but you're like wow this is a catchy tune this is great you're like holy shit it's Enter Sandman or you know insert song here and that's when I was like okay like that's a great song when it can be moved across genres and you still catches your attention like that's some great songwriting you know, that's so, the sign of a great cover song too. Yeah, when you exactly. recognize, and I've said how many times have I said this on the show, and I always will. When a great cover song is, it sounds like the artist doing it, but you recognize the source material. Exactly. Yeah, and that that's yeah. that's exactly what what all the uh, stuff was, is on the blacklist. So, you know, as much as I don't like that, it, it is a good record. Load and reload, just you know the whole. Um, semen and blood under the the microscopic slide. That's honestly what turned me off. Because I'm just like, okay, I'm not 12 anymore. Um, I'm out, you know. (laughs) And a couple of the songs I know, but I don't give a shit. And I always hate that when I hear the songs and don't recognize them and find out they're on one of those two records that I like them. But anyway, the whole point of this was, in my opinion, like, St. Anger is the record I would have liked to have gotten after Justice. Like, I feel like that was like the, hey, we're stretching oh, yes. our legs, we're experimenting, uh-huh. <laughs> and we could have skipped the whole Black Album, all that sort of stuff, uh, you know, for my the, taste. To skip the 90s, yeah. Yeah. But at the same time, you know, Metallica continued to build a following. Um, I don't deny them any of the success they've had. And, you know, re- regardless of how I feel about certain albums, you can't deny that they're still a phenomenal band and just phenomenal individuals that still care for the music community, you know? Kirk. 
Kirk's Kirk's just our favorite Beatle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, I was, I like literally, dude. I think they showed up yesterday or the day before, and I had been waiting to crack it open just for for this. So I've been and you know, saved it for me and the listeners. Well, hell yeah. thank you very much. That's fantastic. Yeah, I, I mean, I I did open the package so I could see the art, and I've been staring at the art for the last couple of days because, dude, this art. Like this is my kind of you, and you've got to remind me to post this next week on the Instagram mm-hmm. when the show goes live. Um, but I just love it so much. But yeah, so that was that. And then, so last week I talked about fright rags. Um, yes, you this have to week, post your monster pictures. Yeah, I posted those today. Actually, I remembered. Oh, okay. Good. I got those, okay, so right people on. actually can look at those now. Um, but I also ordered and. And it's funny, like a, f- a few years ago at work, I had a buddy when, because you know I'm not n- Mr. Sports Guy. You know, like I, I, I do enjoy baseball. I am not a rabid baseball fan. I couldn't tell you stats and all this sort of stuff, but I do enjoy baseball and I enjoy a hockey game. But again, couldn't tell you the stats. Me you too. know, I mean, but I also enjoy surfing and I couldn't tell you much about all those people either. But so, you know, we were always having sports. Uh, stuff at work and it's like wear your jersey to work and i'm like i'm like yeah i'm like i'm not gonna get a jersey because i'm like not into this and one <laughs> one of the guys pulled me aside you know but i wanted to participate i'm like man it just looks so cool when you guys do it but i feel so weird he's like aaron you're into rock and roll find a way to mix rock and roll and sports and that struck such a car- chord with me and fortunately when he said that the big four had just happened and Metallica released a Yankees jersey. Ah. And so I bought the Metallica Yankees jersey, and I have worn that to every wear your sports jersey thing at work since. And um, it's great because people are like, oh, it's a Yankees. <gasps> Holy shit, that's a Metallica. I need that jersey. You know, yeah. so many people, when it hits them what it is, just lose their mind. And and like like it's, it's like finding that that thing and, and combining it and um, you know fi- like in this last year and it's been pretty well documented on this show but I've really embraced once again like my love of monsters and Halloween and so I've been finding all these companies like Fright Rags and this company today Future Monsters um, okay. they do all kinds of like special one off. Uh, prints and t-shirts and designs and stuff like that and i have one of their bags that i take take with me to record store shopping but um they have this awesome looking cap and it's called the lurker and it looks Mm. so stinking cool now i will say um because i'll post it post a picture but it doesn't look good on me Uh, but i'm not a hat guy and i don't care that it doesn't look good on me because this hat looks so cool i'm gonna wear the hell out of this hat (laughs) like right on not only is it cool, cool looking, because because it's it, it it's got like a little bit of the Brian Johnson vibe, a little bit of like eighteen hundreds Victorian London vibe, but um, ah, it's got these like. great little brass buttons on the side and a cord that goes across the front. And I saw it in the in the pictures, and I noticed there are buttons, but you can't see what's on the buttons, dude. The buttons are the face of the creature from the Black Lagoon. Wow. Awesome. I need. I, I need. Well, exactly. And I could not have picked a better hat because you know what a creature from the Black Lagoon fan I am. Like, I go gaga for mm-hmm. this, right? And the inside is like this, like this old, old European crest is what they made it look like. And it says Future Monsters, but it's got, 
um, like a full moon, the creature from the Black Lagoon, a cross with garlic, uh, lightning bolts. It's got bats and wolves. Like, dude, like right the detail on this hat. And I mean, it's, it's like, it was 50 bucks for this hat, but it's so well Ooh, worth ouch. it. Yeah. You know, because it's so well made. They crafted it. Now, here's the other cool thing. So I bought a pin um, of London After Midnight, you know, basically the, the top hat in the ghoul or the ghoul in the top hat, you know, right. or the right. beaver hat, yeah. whatever they like to call it. And um, that is just this beautiful enamel pin that I was thrilled with. And the great thing was they also threw in a couple buttons. So one button, again, is the creature from the Black Lagoon, and it says Future Monsters on it. So, again, right. I, it's like they knew me. But this one <laughs> really shows that they know me. Okay. okay. I'm going to do my best to describe this for the, um, for the audio listeners, and I've got to post pictures of this. But so it's the spade. The Ace of Spades spade, right? Oh, yes. Oh, it gets better. <laughs> now, in that Ace of Spades, and I, and I need to... Okay, it says future monsters and a banner across the bottom. So it, this is a very Motorhead-looking spade. So if you think about like the way that the Motorhead spade looks like with, with um, the war pig in it, um, mm-hmm. you know, it kind of looks like that. However, instead of being the Motorhead war pig, it is and i don't know if it's exactly if it's, it's probably more kind of like their own interpretation it's the winged skull of overkill wow cool like not only is this one of the coolest buttons i've ever gotten it is absolutely the coolest button i've ever gotten for free <laughs> my I, favorite four letter f word yeah I can't believe that I got this one included for free. I'm like, this is like, I keep staring. I'm like, this is so stinking cool. It's right so, like, this is everything I love in a little button here. So, um, <laughs> yeah. So just major, major shout out to future monsters. Um, they are not sponsoring the show guys. Like when we talk about stuff on the show that we like, um, it's, it's not because we're being paid. It's because we genuinely like this stuff. You know, oh yeah, and, and we'd sure. like to tell you guys about it because I mean, Snowy and I, like literally, um, as soon as it's November first, we're counting down to Halloween again. You know, and, <laughs> doesn't, and, doesn't take long, yeah, yeah, and and that's what that's what like this hat, it's future monsters, and like I I, I sent a picture of me and it just to um, a coworker, and they're like, yeah, it doesn't really look like you. Um, <laughs> I'm like, yeah, no, I know, I'm uh, gonna wear it. You're anyway. not a cap guy. Yeah, and they're like, yeah. they're like. Maybe it's because it's summer. I'm like, oh, this is definitely a winter hat. Like, this is something in fall. Like, I said, once October 1st hits, you're going to have to pry this off of my head. Like, like I, I will, like, sleep in this damn thing, dude. It's so sinking cool. So, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. As, as much as you're not a cap guy, and this kind of made me think of this, as much as you're not, it's the same amount that I am. Like, pretty much as long as I can remember having, you know, a love of baseball and all that I've, I always have a baseball cap on if I'm not in the house. I have friends that I have known for 10 years, okay, just out, out and about in the scene and all that. They've never seen me without a baseball cap on. That's you amazing. Know, it's just, yeah, you know, yeah. And I'm starting to lose it on top. The skullet is starting to come in and all that. And the hair is getting long on the side because of it as opposed to, 
to growing out and all that. So yeah, yeah, like I have, and when I have like close friends who, you know, have gone many years with just seeing me with a cap on, when like she sees me like the first time without a cap, she's like, Snowy. Like I've never seen you without a cap. You're going bald. I've never, <laughs> I've, I've never, I've never seen the top of your head before. And I've these are friends that I've passed out on their couch. That's amazing. You know, you know I just always just kind of have my have my cap on and all that. So, so yeah, yeah. That just I don't know. It's just kind of my thing. Me and Fred Durst and Jamie Josta. We're always we've all we've always got our caps on and all that. Well, I probably lost a lot of cool points link there to but... this cap because I I think you could probably rock this one pretty pretty hard. Oh, uh, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure. I, I think you really dig it. Um, yeah, I think I'm I'm dumb due for a new cap. I got my nuclear salt and my carcass yeah. hat, but I think I'm I think I'm due for a couple more here. Well, he also has some high quality, old school style wool baseball caps. So if you think of like. The baseball uniforms of the 1920s. Right. Um, he, he's got one that looks like that. Yeah, like, like, really, like this, this guy, you know what? Uh, like, I can't even believe it took me this long to think of this, but this guy and another guy, we've got to figure out um, how to get some of these, like, Halloween monster company guys on, on here to talk because. Oh yeah. Mo- most of them are, you know, like one to five man businesses. Like they, they're, you know, sole proprietors, and these guys are just hustling. But um, th- this future monsters does great. Does, you know, small batch designs. Monsters are good is another one, and then the fright rags. You know, like that. That would be stuff that we should all that w- that we should check out. So. Oh, definitely. No, I'm familiar with fright rags because they're. They advertise in a lot of the cool metal magazines, and they they pop on my up on my Facebook, and of course, you know magazines like Rue Rue Morgue up here in Canada. They do a lot, a lot of advertising there and all that. So when you mentioned last episode, you were grabbing some shit from Fright Rags. I was like, oh fuck yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, dude, that's so awesome. so so stoked yeah. through this stuff. So. Yeah. So, and really though, that's all I have for my metal fix this week. It's, it's kind of kind of slim this week. <laughs> more geek talk this week than metal fix, which much more. I'm always I'm oh I'm always up for that. I'm always up for that. Um, you know what? Um, that's fine because I don't really have a whole hell of a lot of a metal fix myself. Um, it's just it's just kind of the way things worked out. Like my last big metal thing was um the uh where we got tonight's interview from and last week's you know the big origin show that came through winnipeg here and all that just the way it worked out all of my metal has already kind of been covered with last episode and this past five days six days or whatever i just haven't had a lot going on Except um, I finally, it had come across my desk when you first mentioned it, but I finally kind of sort of got to the new Guar album, New nice. Dark Ages. Think? I really only had a chance to give a couple tracks, the once over and all that. 
but uh, we're going to get to a song from it. Um, I really dug Motherfucking Liar. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was a good one. <laughs> okay, like this weekend, I'm going to give the whole record a really thorough listen to. And by that, what I mean is you, the first time, like when, you know, when you listen to a new record, you put the headphones on and you either shut your eyes or you stare at the wall and just give it, you know, your complete audio attention and all that. So I'm going to do that. But so far from what I've heard, I am really digging this new record what i'm really digging as well and i think it's the their debut on their own pit records okay um like they had been on uh metal blade for the long years i want to say well yeah i want to say metal blade and all that and they had a great relationship you know metal blade good good friends of the show and all that for some reason, they've just decided to just, you know, kind of branch out and just do everything DIY. And I am all for that and all that. So that's really cool. That's really cool. Um, as well, uh, the um, old school death metalers brutality. I believe, yeah, they are okay. You obviously you remember the the Florida death metal boom, you know, from the late '80s into the early '90s. The deaths, the obituaries, Deicide, Malevolent Creation, all of those awesome bands. Well, Brutality were one of those bands. They were in the conversation, but their name just wasn't on as many lips as a lot of those others okay they they haven't put out a record since 2016 but they are back now okay with this kind of really cool compilation sepiternity sepiternity i swear to god when these bands make up their own words <laughs> it's it's just, it, it is, it is. It's just to trip me up. They go into the studio, okay, and they've already listened to the show a couple times, and they know I'm such, you know, just everyone, you know, our longtime listeners know exactly how I am with some of these names and some of these fucking words and all that. So they get together with the producer, and they go, what are we going to call this album? Okay. Well, if we take this and this and this and mix it together, that'll fuck Snowy up for sure. It is <laughs> and that's only that's to throw exactly you off. That's what that's how they do just, it. Just just to mess with me. That's exactly what they did with this sepaternity. Like, what the fuck is that? Well, what is that is an awesome EP. Okay, it's a couple couple new tracks, some older re-recorded tracks, and some live uh, some live tunes from the Maryland Death Fest. All really good stuff. So good to see uh, Brutality back and giving her finally for me. Like I said, don't really have much in the way of my metal fix, but the new Decibel magazine. Arrived. I'm sorry, what, which David? magazine? Oh, I'm sorry. The new Disciple. Oh, that days. one. Gotcha. That one. Yeah, it was kind of confused you for a sec there. Yeah. <laughs> of course, our longtime listeners know the joke about why we call it Disciple. But anyways, yeah, that 
that arrived in my mailbox on my anniversary. Oh, rock uh, on. Yeah, isn't like isn't that fantastic? Like I, I, I bet know. Mrs. Snow was so excited. She was. She was because she knows that okay, he's gonna be really stoked like when he sees this. <laughs> you know, so yeah, really, really excited. Um what I was okay, and of course there is a new creator record out. Of course, creator fucking rules. Okay, so we got Millet from from Creator on the cover, and of course, that's one of those bucket list interviews. Someday we will get Millie on for sure. But another another awesome um, another awesome issue. We got some septic flesh, some misery index, some haunt night demon. Artificial brain, you know, a lot of bands. Uh, we, we got some guar as well. A lot of bands we've already had on the show. Something I was really excited about. Okay, I really dig their regular metal mothers um, segment oh, yeah. page. Okay, where they pick an artist and they talk to that artist's mother. Okay, and we've uh, we've had Robin Mason, you know, from Gruesome, and she's got some other projects as well. Good good friend of the show. Um, they've had her mother on. That would that I remember we were really stoked about that. This month, okay, our good friend and writer for Decibel and former Radioactive Metal alum, Mr. Sean Fraser. And of course, he is the owner operator of Wise Blood Records. We've oh, had him on the show. Yeah. He's so many great like go on to Bandcamp, just Google, go search Wise Blood Records. They are so many awesome records and all that. We've played a lot of them on the show, and we always will. Sean is such a great guy. His mother, Barbara Frazier, is the subject of this month's Metal Mothers. Oh, how saw, cool. Yeah, isn't that isn't that fantastic? I love I love stuff like that. That is that is a feel good moment. You know <laughs> you know and we 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 kind of did the same thing here on Radioactive Metal when we had um last year when we had Lori Bravo from Nuke from Nuclear Death on the show and she's of course become a good friend of the show and all that. We had her on, and then we called Lori up, uh, you know, the next couple days later and said, hey, okay, De Decibel does this. We want to do this as well. Can we talk talk to your mom, Barbara, okay, see if she wants to kind of come on the show and all that. So we had our own metal mothers and all that. You know, I want to do that again, like seeing... Seeing Barbara Fraser on here again, I'm kind of stoked. I'm kind of stoked to do this again. You know, so we got to, the next little while, we got to pick an artist and get their mom on the show as well. Really excited. Um, and the rest of the issue is, you know, Disciple Magazine is always fantastic. I'm just kind of I'm scratching my head about something here. Okay, every episode... They have, and I'm flipping through it right now. You could probably hear the pages and all that. There's an interview with Blothar, Blothar the Berserker. I remember when we had him on 
Oh, that was some pretty big shoes that he had to fill uh, when uh, Odorous left us. Yeah. When 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 David Brocky left us. So yeah, to have Mike Bishop Lothar on that that was really exciting and all that. Okay, I'm in the middle of the magazine here now, and they ha- every month they have their um their Hall of Fame where they induct an album into the Hall of Fame. Okay. For the very first time ever. Okay. I have never heard of this album being inducted. Who the hell are the Dazzling Kill Men? Wow. Yeah, no, never heard of that either. Never heard of that. Their album Face of Collapse released March 14th, okay, you know, 1994. The fuck are the Dazzling Killmen? Never heard of it. No, yeah, and I still I haven't got to the issue. I haven't really done a deep deep dive in it right now. You know, I'm kind of flipping through it and all that, and just like, what the hell? Okay, hey, what's gonna happen? Okay, is this is they're gonna be some kick-ass band? Okay, we're both gonna get blown away by the Dazzling Killmen, and then we're gonna feel like knobs. You know? <laughs> yeah, but I'm okay with that. Yeah, yeah, because hey, it also it goes back to you can't listen to everything. You can't no matter how anything. hard we try. No matter how hard we try, but what you can listen to is the new Guar album, New Dark Ages. Let's get on with it now. This is motherfucking liar. Burn, set it on fire. One thing I hate is a motherfucking liar. Truth is undone, like it never existed. The time has come that we must.
To honor the great Lucille Fulci, that is, well, the awesome death metal grindcore band Fulci from their latest full length, their Exhumed Information, and that was Tomb. And before that, courtesy of the good folks at Wise Blood Record, that's one of their latest releases. From the band as Sundown, the track Not My Jam from the Keep Moving record. And they describe this as melodic post-hardcore anthems for degenerate punks. I can get behind that. I can get behind <laughs> that in a big way. And of course, we are a 110 behind everything that wise blood records does thank you so much sean we are also a hundred and ten percent behind everything that the good folks at season of mist does great record we've been good friends with them for many years here's to many many more recently like i kind of mentioned earlier this episode and of course a lot last episode with mar with our abysmal dawn interview origin came through town some kick-ass support bands with the aforementioned abysmal dawn go to radioactivemetal.org check out that interview with mr charles elliott great band also on that bill was the mighty tombs also of a season of mist they were coming through town on tour in support of their new ep x oblivion and we were it was actually a long time coming when uh to getting to this tonight's creature feature because the axman vocalist michael hill Okay, I've been going back and forth with a couple years now with him. I have him on Facebook, and we just go back because back and forth because we just have such an intense um, shared interest. Okay, in stuff like horror films, you know, as he mentioned in this this interview, he does his own podcast, The Necromaniacs podcasts and it's always a treat to listen to because it's just it it's just so awesome okay when you have these shared interests and i can sit and listen to someone as knowledgeable as michael hill is on this topic and also in the back of the head in the back of my head i know he's this amazing musician making these this amazing music and so when it was time when he came through when they announced well when ninja cat productions announced okay we're bringing these bands in it's like this is my opportunity okay yeah a skype interview or over the phone with mr hill earlier would have been nice but I wanted to get, the first time I wanted to speak to this gentleman, I wanted that action interview. I wanted to be face-to-face, in the venue, ready to rock and roll. And we had one hell of a conversation. 
about all of that. So without further ado, let's uh, get into, let's get a, let's drop a track from the mighty tomb in the, from, I almost said entombed. Holy jeez. From the mighty tombs. This is X Oblivion.
First and foremost, I guess what you're probably ease, eager to talk about the most is you're on tour right now supporting your new EP, Ex Oblivion. That's um, right. Maybe kind of explain the concept and the idea behind it. Sure. Well, originally, uh, you know, during the pandemic, no one knew what the hell was going on as far as touring or supporting stuff or doing anything on the road. So we tried to stay active as much as possible by doing live streams and, you know, putting out singles and things like that. So Ex Oblivion originally started out as just an idea for doing a single with like a video. And uh, then it kind of grew into more of an EP, which is what it is right now with covers, a remix, the ambient collaboration I did with, uh, with Dwid, you know, and from Integrity. Right on. And um, so, so, but it all is centered around that one track, Ex Oblivion. And, um, you know, that philosophically, there's like a kind of like a theme with that. And um, it's based or inspired by a prose poem by H.P. Lovecraft called Ex Oblivion, but it's spelled a little bit different. And that has to do with, um, you know, essentially it's about somebody wondering about what lies beyond death and, uh, to only discover that there's emptiness and nothingness that lies beyond the door leading into the netherworld. And um, so I took that idea, I kind of ran with it and explored more more of the concepts of the abyss and the void and the preternatural cosmos like before existence. And that song pretty much is, uh, is about that. It's about, you know, the nothingness from which the anti-life you know what I mean? Right. So that's essentially the concept behind that song. Uh, that can be somewhat pretty deep. Um, is this just stuff that, does the inspiration just hit you or do you go out and find it? Well, I mean, uh, you know, I consider myself uh, more so, as you can see, by me being the least talented guitar player on this entire tour. Oh, oh come on. Uh, <laughs> I, I consider my strength is You're more a about... Man. You're a humble man. <laughs> my strength is more about... Um, I think more about concepts and writing, you right. know, and I consider myself to be a little bit of a somewhat of a novice writer. So I'm always writing. I'm always reading. I'm always grabbing inspiration from different uh, philosophical concepts. You know, I'm constantly reading things, you know, about the occult, weird fiction, philosophy, you know, pessimism, nihilism, like all this kinds of stuff. And then I have a series of notebooks and I actually have four more pages in my current notebook that I'm writing in. They just fill with ideas and fills become song concepts, lyrics, titles, record titles, like etc. So that's there's always like a chunk of raw material to draw from, and it always kind of fits within this narrative that I've developed for the band. Right on. These notebooks, and I you know, every year I have another notebook that I need notes for the show and all sure. that. So I got a big stack of them by now. With all of these these notebooks, do you think maybe you've got a book? there perhaps um maybe like outlines for books uh because you know i i also i'm trying to finish a series of short stories right now and um they're all in outline form and some are developed but a lot of those ideas started in the, in the notebook you know format and there'll be like outlines and descriptions or scene descriptions or um you know just just basically like a almost like a journalistic entry of ideas and then i from that i just sort of pull lines and ideas and condense that into a song or in some cases like we were talking about these short stories that I'm working on. Right. Right. 
right on, right on. With this new EP, and you mentioned the covers and all that, you got a Motorhead cover, you got a G.G. Allen cover in there. How do you decide on, like there's 800 million great songs out there, how do you decide which one? Do you have a rhyme and reason? Well, the Motorhead cover, that we, we've been playing that, like, uh, you know, over the course of the pandemic. We started messing around with that song, and it actually is in one of our live streams, you know, a live version of that song. Mm-hmm. So when the idea came out, we were talking to Season of Mist about releasing a single. And they're like, well, why don't you just tack on some more material? We'll do some sort of like EP or digital only because the vinyl's not coming out until much, much later. Um, so it made sense for us to do the Motorhead cover, Kill by Death, because we already knew how to play it. And um, Drew, our bass player, is the, uh, you know, he's the Lemmy guy in the band. Right on. And he's got a great voice and he already knew the lyrics obviously and uh <laughs> they have actually hit him and, and our drummer have a uh, justin have a, a motorhead tribute band that they do called engine head ah. and that's in their set list already so it became that kind of thing right. um you know gg allen like as far as uh you know these days everyone is just trying to find things to be upset about and you know go back into people's history and figure out like how they're like this or that or they're transgressing in this way or offending people and um i just think that like the kind of music that i'm involved with is not necessarily for well-adjusted people or for people who are like you know normal you know what i mean this is not for normal fucking people this is for like outsiders Mm -hmm. you know and um and that kind of bums me out when like it's almost like when you're living in a neighborhood in new york city or in brooklyn or something like that and you have this is the neighborhood and then these people from out of state move in and then they want to turn it into exactly what it's like where they used to live. Uh-huh. So they start, oh, well, this has to go. We got to clean this up. <laughs> you can't have these people because they're too loud. You know, now it's this generic, completely soulless neighborhood. And that's what I feel like music is starting to become like because people are afraid of being, um, you know, offended. They don't want to see the rough edges. They want to keep everything safe. And and Gigi Allen, to me, represents the opposite of safety. Oh, and, and I, I quite admire him. I, I've admired Gigi Allen my entire ever since I started listening to punk rock music and getting into like this weird out, outsider stuff that I'm into. I've always thought Gigi was like, you know, someone who is uh, going to become a historical figure within music. You know, he's going to be as important as like Iggy Pop was or is rather. You know, and right. David Bowie and all these people. As time goes on, people are going to look back on his very uh, prodigious uh, output and uh, decide that this guy actually had a lot to say about society and was a really important artist, you know, and, and that's how I see Gigi. And I also see him as like a guy who will destroy everything in his sight too. So that also falls in with the idea of the anti-life abyss and how, you know, life is an exception to the rule in some ways, you know, and he is an element of chaos. And that's ultimately what I feel the universe is going to disassemble into chaos anyway so gg symbolizes that too oh for sure for sure no i totally see that i see that yeah um in 2020 your record under sullen skies was your season of mist debut how did that like i, I don't want to use the word bidding war or anything like that but how did coming how how, how was hooking up with them happen with all these other labels that well there was sure. no bidding war because we got dropped right. from metal blade so that <laughs> oh, was not okay. like uh, you know metal blade was like really stoked on us at all they dropped us so that oh, wasn't okay. really an issue but um i i really wanted to work with season of mist just because i have a long history 
with the people that work at, the, at least in the U.S. office. Right. Um, they're all a lot of them are ex-relapse people, and you know we used to be on relapse, mm -hmm. and a lot of bands that were former relapse bands have migrated over to Season of Mist at some point. You know, Abysmal Dawn, you know, used to be on relapse as well. Right. Um, and uh, it just was a really comfortable situation. Uh, you know, the, the owner Michael is a, is a fan which always it works in your favor. Mm -hmm. And, and uh, I felt like they would do the best. And I love their, their catalog. Like their catalog is filled with bands that I actually listen to, you know? And, uh, and that's, um, I'm fans of the, the label. I've been a fan of the label since years before we had any involvement with them. And aesthetically, I think it fits with what we were doing too. A lot of it's like this kind of, you know, conceptual like black metal kind of stuff, you know? And that's pretty much like the, the vibe that we have. It's definitely a good fit, for sure, for sure. And I really didn't need to do much research in this because for quite a while now, I know um, you are a horror film fanatic. Oh yeah, so absolutely. much, you know, so much in fact that you've done your own podcast yep. and all that. Maybe kind of share with my listeners exactly the 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 you know the why's and wherefores yeah. be, be behind those. Well, I love horror as a genre. In general and I think nowadays um, it's actually becoming more of like a uh, you know before it was like a lowbrow like sleazy kind of thing in the 80s and the 70s you know right. it's like which oh, I yeah. love all that stuff too <laughs> like I'm not trying to you know play that down but you know I feel like just like everything else any other creative expression it's now becoming more like uh, and I hate to use the word mature because I love everything the whole genre like mm -hmm. I'll, I'll watch Nightmare and I'll also uh, you know watch The Exorcist you know, children shouldn't play with dead things. And then also, you know, like the witch, you know, right. and all this kind of higher, you know, bright, higher tone sort of stuff. So, um, yeah, I love reading horror fiction. I love watching horror movies. And uh, me and my buddy, Mike Scandato, um, who's the, uh, the lead singer in a band called Inhuman in New York City, um, teamed up and started the podcast, talk about horror films. And then we drafted uh, Jeff Kashid who um, used to play bass in ISIS, who's a, a old friend of mine. And the three of us all co-host the, uh, the show. And uh, it's, you know, we moved it up to being a weekly show now. And uh, yeah, it's just a lot of fun to do it. Right on, right on, for sure, for sure. I'm a big horror film fanatic as well. As a matter of fact, just earlier this week as we speak, our local art house theater aired Basket Case, the original oh, Basket Case, mm -hmm. and I'm sure that's a, that's a film you were quite familiar with. Sure, uh, yeah, I mean, all, all of the sequels too, you know, and, <laughs> and, and but it, that, th watching that film brings back such memories, man, because it takes place in like the grimy, like New York City, mm -hmm. and, and that whole era of the late 70s and the 80s is like, you know, I don't want to be romantic about it, but there there is definitely a, a vibe that is missing in the city that, you know, when all that, when all that stuff got cleaned up, you know, for better or for worse, you know what I mean? For sure, for sure. Do you remember your very first horror film? Yes, I do. I have very ah. clear, very, oh, okay. very clear memories of the first. <laughs> my parents took me to see The Exorcist. Oh, right on. In a drive-in. When I, when I was like way too young to probably have seen that film. Right. And uh, that is the, the very first horror <laughs> film I ever saw. And it was a huge impact on me. Right on. Yeah, yeah. I, I couldn't place my first one. I just remember watching like with my parents because we're about the same age yeah. um carry on tv the, the original carry and all that and just just kind of all kind of snowballed from there so were you a horror did you discover horror before metal yes actually because um 
I mean, as like a nine-year-old kid, I think I was probably really digging horror films and, uh, you know, everything. Mm -hmm. You know, I just, uh, in New York, we had a WOR, Chiller Theater, Channel 9, like Channel 11, Channel 9 had Chiller Theater. One of those, I can't remember which one, but they had Chiller Theater. And I used to watch that every weekend, you know, and um, I read the horror comics, like Tomb of Dracula, Werewolf by Night. Right on. Uh, started watching the uh, the Hammer horror films. For some, there was always on Saturday afternoon, there would be a slew of horror films on. And, um, you know, I was an only child and as a kid, and I still am kind of a loner, I guess. So I spent a lot of time just by myself watching horror films, reading comics, things like that. And, um, and that really developed my hunger for that whole like genre. And, um, you know, then my mom actually is a huge horror fan too. So well, in the helps. VHS era, we were always <laughs> like renting horror films, like, you know, Halloween, Friday the 13th, like all that, all that good stuff in the eighties. Right, right. No, I and then metal. You know, then I started getting into, I think Black Sabbath probably was like, you know, easing into rock music, you know, right. like ACDC and Van Halen. And then I remember hearing, uh, we sold our souls for rock and roll, the Sabbath, you know, greatest hits thing. And the song Black Sabbath, which is like, exactly like, it, reminded, it was just a, a hammer horror film, basically an audio version of that. And that's when the two things came together, and I was like, huh, there's something here, you know, that interests me. Right, right, right. How, how old were you when you first discovered metal? Probably, all right, hard rock, I was probably about 10. Right. right? Metal, like straight metal, like Judas Priest and Sabbath and all, I was probably like, I want to say 11 or 12. Oh, okay. Yeah, because I remember I was, I was on the wrestling team, and I was like, People would make fun of me because I like this devil music. You know uh, I mean? So that was in that. That's when I started wrestling. Like it was in that era. Right, yeah. Right. Right. Uh, since I do a pro wrestling podcast as well, I do kind of ask you. Okay, what you were doing obviously was the Olympic style. Do you yeah. have any interest in prof the professional style of wrestling? Um, no, I gotta be honest. Not really. No? I mean, uh, yeah. I, I mean, I, I I used to watch that when I was a kid. You know, like some a lot of friends of mine love all that stuff, and I have watched some of it. People have like you know turn me on to certain things and you know there are certain characters that are interesting you know like CM Punk I think is pretty cool like mm -hmm. you know, he tried to have like a fighting career which you know didn't really pan out for too well for him but I gave him an A for effort you know yeah but uh, yeah I don't really follow pro wrestling no no fair enough that just kind of popped in my head when you said the W word yeah there there no I got a lot of, I got a lot of respect for CM Punk as well because he is a legit hardcore guy you know, yeah, and he likes comics too. Not just yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, and horror films. There's actually. no reason not to like this guy. Yeah, yeah. Well, thank you so much for uh, making your way out here tonight. Uh, it's so nice that we finally got a chance to Absolutely. Meet, meet face to face. I'll let you get on with your evening, but um, just one last question. Sure. Um, could there be a tunes without you? Like, if you decided, you know what, I can't do this this any, anymore, guys? Well, you know, at the risk of sounding, uh, you know, egotistical, um, I, I do not believe that the band could exist without me because I'm the only guy left in the band that's oh. from the original lineup. <laughs> I mean, I guess it could be like, uh, you know, like there's two Queensrikes. You know? Right. Maybe, like, the other guys can continue with another dude who looks like a plumber who can continue with the bands and he could play me, I guess. I don't know. All right. <laughs>
Everyone knows a lot of things can change in the span of 10 years. But when it comes to professional wrestling podcasting, one thing is still guaranteed. The Shining Wizards is the only place to get all the latest wrestling news, interviews with the greatest guests, and of course, tons of laughs in discussing the world of wrestling. The show is still available on Monday nights at 7 p.m. East on RantDMRadio.com and Rant Entertainment Media on the TuneIn app. And it's still available on all podcasting platforms. Check us out. Head over to ShiningWizards.com, where it's still wrestling talk and talk about wrestling.
Okay, before we go any further, my friend, I got a uh, fistful of angry fish beer here, so I'm gonna I'm gonna crack that. Let's see how let's see how it goes. Yeah, you know what? A little, a little, got a little bit of the not quite as bitter as the. As the or a little more bitter than the lamp lighter, but it still kind of went down. Still kind of went down pretty good. Nice, I think man. I did good today. Yeah, yeah. I think I did pretty good tonight. Not only in the beer department, but in the tunes department. That is Canada's death metal grindcore, whatever you want to call them. VHS. Oh, I really dig this band, and I know. Um, Mr. Michael Hill being a really big horror film fanatic. I know he's already got some VHS records in his collection from their new record, I Heard They Suck Blood. That is the horror of Dracula. And before that, I know all of our listeners were eager to hear a second second tune. From the Mighty Tombs, from the Under the Sullen Skies record that, if you tuned into last week's episode, you know I picked up the super, super sweet vinyl edition of that. That is, that was The Hunger. Really, really cool stuff. Big shout out to uh, everyone at Season of Mist, once again, helping us out procuring these awesome subjects the last couple episodes and of course we have to say hello and horns up to mr mr hill and mr elliot as well thank you so much guys the last couple episodes have been absolutely phenomenal thank you um okay something going on around here and i'm i'm assuming this is kind of on tour, all right, kind of stopping on various different cities and all that. I'm pretty sure it's not an exclusive Winnipeg thing, okay? Okay, you'll remember um, a couple of years back, and you, you were fortunate enough to go and see this, but Kurt Hammond was doing a, uh, a tour of all of his artwork and all of just... All of his geek stuff. Yep. He had it. He had a traveling exhibit, and you were lucky enough to have gone to see this, right? Oh yeah. Right on, right on. Yes, I know we got a lot of conversation about that. And it's definitely something that I would have enjoyed. The same idea is going on right now up here in Winnipeg. Okay, there is. Um, uh, like I said, I think it's a traveling exhibit called Unzipped. It is, um, it is an, ex- it's like a museum exhibit of all things Rolling Stones, where there's a lot of artwork and memorabilia, guitars, clothing. It's just everything that you would want to see if you are a diehard Rolling Stones fan. Okay, I've sent you some links. You've, you've, you've checked all this out. Okay, and I wanted to save it 
so I could kind of get your two cents and your opinion on this stuff because I'm kind of on the fence. Okay. I'm not the biggest Stones fan. When I was a kid, I had some seven inch singles and I had the uh, Tattoo You record. Start Me Up. What a great song. Undercover of the Night. A- excellent tune. Like it's the fucking Stones. Yeah. <laughs> okay. You can't, apart from the, the only criticism you can really give about the Stones is it's just not my thing. And that's hardly a criticism. Okay. It's it's just not okay, which which is fair, which is fair, and like I'm not a huge Stones fan, okay. What what about you? Like, is this something that you would partake in? I would definitely be interested, but I would be more apt to do it at thirty five dollars than fifty dollars. <clears throat> See, that's exactly what I was meaning by I'm on the fence. Like fifty bucks when I looked at it, it's like fuck. Like really, like that's what we should be paying for a Stones concert, not the three hundred dollars I'm sure they're charging yeah. now. That's what we should be paying for a concert now. Well, and I was trying to remember what I paid for the Kirk Hammett thing, but I don't feel like I paid. I don't feel like I paid fifty bucks for that, and. That wasn't just getting to see the exhibit. That was seeing Kirk and Robert and, you know, Kirk talking for about an hour. Yeah, see, that I would pay 50 bucks for. Yeah. That's, uh, that's like, a good deal. That that was a once-in-a-lifetime thing in a very intimate setting, you know. But, like, Definitely. just 50 bucks to look at a bunch of memorabilia. Like, I don't know if it costs, to get fi- it costs 50 bucks to get into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame nowadays. And you can see essentially the same stuff just from a whole bunch more artists and not quite as collected, you know. Right. Condensed, right. rather. Right, right. See, it's the price that kind of had me going, well, I don't know, because I'm really not the biggest Stones fan. But I'm not narrow-minded enough to not realize just the history that you know imagine what all of these pieces have seen the history behind them the history of the rolling stones you know and if i and i have and i have a couple friends they're not in this in the metal scene okay but they are musical connoisseurs this is something that they would be interested in so maybe i'll get a hold of those guys and say hey no, I'm not the biggest Stones fan, but I'm kind of interested in this. What do you guys say? And so I was just, uh, like I said, I'm still kind of on the fence, waiting for your your two cents. And then I'll decide exactly what I want to do with regards to... Oh, sorry? No, I didn't say anything. I was moving my mic. Oh, <laughs> okay. Well, with regards to this show... Okay... It got me thinking. Okay, even if I if even if I don't go to this unzipped exhibit, okay, I'm sure there are a lot of artists that we would be more than happy to shell out a couple shekels and see all of these key pieces and key pieces of history that we would want to see. And I thought, you know what? Let's 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 pick Aaron's brain here 
and share with our listeners as to some of the artists and some of the things that we think we would definitely be interested in. So, like, what when you think about it, what's a what's an artist that immediately comes to your mind? What you would want to uh, what you'd want to see in this in this sort of area? Kiss. I would want to see ah, Kiss. I would yeah. want to see everything. <laughs> And I don't know if you've seen the pictures of like Gene Simmons home office where he's surrounded by all the kiss memorabilia from over the years. I would pay $50 just to see that. I think I would too. You know, like, like just, just 50 bucks to hang out in his office or his home studio where he has all this stuff and be like, Holy crap, dude, I would pay $50 to go to John five's house to see his kiss room. Like, like, have you seen the stuff that John Five has? I know, and I and I should. John Five puts Rock and I to shame. Uh, Rock, Rock and I are normie Kiss fans compared to John Five. Oh, okay. Like he is through the roof insane, and you know I, I've sung John John Five's praises on here a few times. Um, mm-hmm. Just great guy. Yeah, fantastic guy, amazing musician, you know, just on on the next level. And, you know, for our listeners that hear me plunking away on my guitar every podcast, (laughs) um, that's honestly been John Five inspired. Because, you know, in every interview, he talks about the fact that he never puts a guitar down. And if anybody follows his Instagram, he's always posting these crazy videos of him playing and just... His his precision, his accuracy, his agility, his speed just blows me away. And he's cool as shit in a Kiss fan to boot. Like it doesn't mm-hmm. get any better than that, you know. But yeah, yeah, I'd 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 pay fifty bucks just to walk through his house and see his Kiss stuff. <laughs> yeah. What about some of the cool Kiss stuff that you would, you know, you you would really like to see? I think I'd be excited to see the things I don't know about. And cuz I mean like we all know about like the dolls from the 70s. We know about mm-hmm. the lunch boxes, the belt buckles. We know about the pinball machines, right? Mm-hmm. But I know there's other stuff that I would look at and be like, "What the hell? This is what? No." You know, or like like rare t-shirts, um stage props. The boots. Um, honestly, I'd, I'd pay $100 to to get two hours with Gene's basses from the 80s just to play his oh, the basses. Yeah, yeah. You that know? would be sweet. Uh, like, 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 I I would just go gaga for all that sort of stuff. You know? And, and like, as we're talking about this, I'm like, you know what? 50 bucks for that Stones show based on everything I saw... Like, I know for me, that's really probably a good price, and I would pay it and go because I enjoy all aspects of the music. Like, I get excited over a recording desk. You know, other people would be like, oh, what's this thing with the little slidey stuff? Okay, that's cute. And me, I'm like, oh, that's X console, and this means this, and that means that this person hand wired. Like, you know, I'm. I, I get really nerdy about certain things like that. So, yeah, I probably would pay the 50 bucks for the Rolling Stones. But um, 
Okay. Like, Fair there's enough. So, there's so many things like w- with Kiss. Like I, I would just want to see all the things I don't know about, really. And I and I'm sure there's hundreds of things that I haven't seen. You know, because I mean, who merchandises better than Kiss? Oh, definitely, definitely, yeah, yeah. For me, I think about Kiss. Okay, every time my shift at work ends i work in like a warehouse environment i have to have steel-toed boots on okay every time i take my boots off i feel about two inches shorter okay (laughs) Okay. because because i have these big big boots with the big heels and all that and i always think back to kiss's platform boots (laughs) yeah 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 70s and, and all that, I would love to be face to face with uh, with the demons platforms, like with the the teeth and the skull, and yeah. you know, and all like all their platform boots is the thing that would really, really that would that would get my attention. And just seeing them, okay, you've obviously seen Kiss meets the Phantom of the Park. Oh yes. Several that times. really bad movie from the seventies, which I wish I had a, a DVD copy of, and all that. I, I I should hit up Amazon and all that. I remember as a kid seeing this on TV, staying up at night, late at night, because it was being aired at like midnight or whatever. And it was the same idea. Like you know, my mom said, "Well, okay, if you can stay up, you can watch your goofy movie." You know, like she said with all the Godzilla movies and all that. Okay, if you if you can stay up, then you can watch. I'm not going to wake you when it's on. If you fall asleep, well, it's your fault. It was the same thing with Kiss Meets a Fan of the Park. I did stay up, caught the movie, kind of enjoyed it because I was a dumb kid. Okay. One of the things I will always remember is them kicking the bad guys in those platform shoes. Oh, yeah. Oh, that looks so bad. <laughs> okay. So it's just, it's weird how the mind works, how you just remember these like stupid little details. Well, you know what I always remember from that movie that I will never forget? When the cops are questioning them and they're sitting in those like lifeguard chairs beside the pool in their robes. Oh, right. And um, he's like, it was Gene. You know, if it wasn't him, it was his brother. And Ace says, Gene's brother was an only child. <laughs> I, I love that line. I love that line. Oh, I got to hit him. Do you have a copy of it? I have it on VHS. Oh, okay. Oh, that's my, that might be worth a pretty penny. Uh, probably, but like all, none of my Kiss stuff will probably ever be sold. Like I, no, I'm sitting here don't. looking at my, uh, my Animalized live VHS. You know, oh, okay. that's my, my original copy from 1980, whatever, that my grandmother bought for me. Um, I think possibly for a Christmas gift. And I play <laughs> so regularly. Well, did it, and when I had a VHS, now it's retired and I can watch it on YouTube. But still, right, right love that right. concert. That that gives me an idea. Well, I've actually had this idea going for a while. All this old stuff. You know that we have in our collection the old the old records the imported stuff from the early '80s and all that. Between your collection of all this cool records and VHSs and all that, and mine, we're probably sitting on a small fortune. 
Probably. One of these days, I think what we should do is you go through your vaults, I'll go through my vaults, and pick some things, and then live on the air, we'll look it up on eBay or whatever, just to see what these things are worth. Just, 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 just to see. I, I really think it would be. I really think it would be. Yeah. Yeah. So, kind of keep that in mind. Um, definitely an artist. The very first artist that jumped out at me to do this and i'm going back to the early 70s as well because alice cooper was a cohort of of kiss as well you want to talk about some rock and roll history holy shit yeah oh okay and there's just the immediately the first thing that kind of jumped out that i would want to see was his very first guillotine. Oh, yes. Like, like wow. Because like, like the guillotine had always been a staple of the Alice Cooper show all the way up. I don't know if he's done it on the last tour and all that. Because unfortunately, I didn't make it. But yeah, it's just... It's it, it's always been a staple. And it's always been a thing. You know Alice is going to cut his own head off. And all that. So, like, yeah, between that, all of the gold records, that that would be really cool to see. All of his old costumes, the guitars, that a lot of, you know, like, the amazing musicians that the guy has had over the years. You know, Kane Roberts was an amazing guitarist. You know, there's a guy to have on the show one of these days. I bet you he's got, he's got a lot of cool things to talk about um and alice cooper's big comeback with the constrictor record as a horror film fan when he had the whole big crossover with friday the 13th part six behind the mask the man behind the mask yeah all of all of those all of those pictures with alice cooper and jason and all that like yeah stuff maybe some stuff we haven't seen pictures behind the scenes and all that that would be really, really cool. And I don't even know. Like, uh, this is such a strong topic. I'm trying to do things just off the top of my head. I'm not getting a lot of stuff, okay, when it comes to Alice Cooper. Because there's just so much. <laughs> you know, from 1969 all the way up till today. I'd like to see his very first set of golf clubs. Oh yeah. Think about it because what a story that is how Alice Cooper traded his alcohol addiction for his golf addiction. Yeah. You know, and like people might think, well, what kind of a puss is that? No, that's awesome. That's awesome. If you have the demons and you can conquer it and you can come up, you know, with something while golf isn't my favorite sport, okay? Like when my dad was with us, I'd go visit him on a Sunday afternoon or whatever. And he's watching some golf tournament and he starts telling me everything like I know what he's talking about. But what what do you do in that situation? You you fake it. You smile and oh, yeah, that's cool. And you use what little knowledge you do have and all that. And it it, it always made his day. So, yeah, what would have been really cool is to take my dad and see Alice Cooper's first set of golf clubs together. That oh, I think cool. would, 
that would have been a really special moment. Um, tour guides, who 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 do you think you would want for a realistic tour guide? Like Gene's not going to be a tour guide at his exhibit or whatever. Like who would you think would be a realistic guide for a a kiss exhibit? Well, you know who I would love, and as far you know, if if we're talking like celebrity guides, um. Tom Morello, John Five, Scott Ian, um, man, who's another one? Uh, th- those three come to mind right off the top of my head because I know they're all big Kiss fans. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, um, uh, you know, Dimebag Daryl had 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 he still been with us, um, he would have been an amazing tour guide because he would have probably mm-hmm. known all sorts of stuff. We didn't. Right on, right um, on. Good choices, good choices. Especially uh, Scott Ian. Uh, yeah, yeah, because like, they're all big Kiss fans, you know. So, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. oh, what now? Now Henry's not as big of a Kiss fan. He was he was a later Kiss fan, but I'm like Henry Rollins would be a tour guide for almost anything. Anyone, yeah, because he could. Well, he's a guy that likes to talk. Yeah, well, you know. <laughs> I, I I can't remember if we talked about this, but have you heard heard him talk about when he interviewed Jerry Lee Lewis? No, no. Um, was it on his podcast? Yeah, yeah, on the Henry and Heidi podcast. Oh, uh, okay. Um, then I have. I just don't remember it, dude. Like, I know Henry's a big music fan, but he loves the old stuff. Like, I love the old stuff, and. Right. Him talking to Jerry Lee, like he's just next level. Like, and and it's funny that it, you know Henry remains so humble, but he is just next level journalist when it comes to like all these rock artists. Like, there there's nobody better because he loves it so much. He's lived it. He's breathed it. You know, it just comes natural to him. So of course he can ask these great questions and make these guys feel super comfortable. This, I. I would love, you know, Henry to give a tour of some of, of so, something like that. Actually, mm-hmm. uh, let me let me let me flip flip the script here. So, what is wh- what artist would you like to see Henry give the tour of? Oh, geez, um, Thin Lizzy really jumps out because that's one of his all time favorite bands. You know, I don't have I don't have Thin Lizzy, but just since you mentioned that, Thin Lizzy would definitely because you know he's made no no bones like man like Thin Lizzy's was was his jam, and um, no Black Flag is too easy, but yeah, if we were to do this for uh, for Minor Threat, because he he was part he was part of that of that. DC scene with Minor Threat and all that. So definitely, definitely, yeah. I'd like to see Henry give a tour for a Ramones exhibit. Oh, yes. Oh, for sure. For sure. He's definitely never hidden his uh, his love of the Ramones. And now I'm kicking myself. I don't have this on my list, but I'm sure you do. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Ramones. Honestly, like... I, and I was thinking about this. Not only would I like to see things like the Ramones, but I would love to see like a venue tour, right? So t- take a tour for a CBGB exhibit. 
And you've got something from every band that played the CBGB. And then ah. people realize, like, oh, holy crap, the CBGB had more of a cultural impact than I realized, you know? Right. Um, so, yeah, that that's what I would really love to see. That would be really cool because there would be a lot. Yeah, even just just to see pictures of um, when the when CBGBs first opened. Okay, because that's basically what the majority of a CBGBs exhibit would be. But just all of the bands that have all played there. <laughs> you know, and I wouldn't wouldn't mind seeing a couple bar stools or whatever. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> you know, or, or 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 something like that. Yeah, that would be really cool. Ah, oh, tour guide for CBGBs, man. Uh, I don't know. Okay, because yeah, someone someone kind of realistic. I don't know if the original owners are still kind of if they're with us or not. But there's I any. I don't think so. Uh, you know what? Let's let's give a shout out to our good buddy Tim McMurtry from uh, MOD, and at, you know, and ang- ang- Angry Corpses and Classic MOD and all that. Because here's a guy. He grew up in New York, part of the New York hardcore and metal scene, and he's a good friend of the show and all that. So yeah, talk talk talking CBGBs with him or Vinny Stigma. Another radioactive metal. Vinny Stigma. Yeah. Yeah. Or honestly, John Joseph. Yeah. uh, There's another one. Yeah. Yeah. Like all of these guys. And we could sit here all day and just ring off hardcore names and all that. Yeah. Good choice. Good choice. Yeah. Yeah. Um, If I'm going to mention Alice Cooper, I have to mention King Diamond as well. Oh, okay, because, I've been that I, 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 I imagine. Oh, I imagine like okay, King Diamond and Alice Cooper. They really aren't. They're the same, but they're different. <laughs> okay, like I'm damn sure, you know, Kim Peterson, King Diamond has more than one Alice Cooper record in his collection over the years, but they've definitely. A musically two very different bands um there's just so much history like within the king diamond hand and the merciful fate uh camps um first and foremost and of course the the interest in this as well is just i want to say last week merciful fate played their first live show in like over 20 years at a festival in Germany and all that. And it's like, wow, this is, I didn't think it was that long, you know, but you know, King had his health issues and he was out of the game for a while and all that. Fortunately, he's back and ready to rock and roll. One of the things I definitely, definitely want to see in a King diamond slash merciful fate exhibit, the bone cross Mike. Oh yeah, <laughs> okay. because that was just kind of a staple, like forever. <laughs> you know, like every time you saw a picture of King Diamond or Merciful Fate live, you always saw that unique mic. It was just like Quiet Riot's candy striped mic. You know, it was just like Steve Tyler had his 
bandanas on his mic. Like, you know, these bands, they all have their signature look on their mic and, and, and the bone cross, you know, was really, um, really made it his own. Speaking of kiss, <laughs> I would love to see these, but Gene Simmons lawsuit papers, you know, like at, I'm just assuming at some point, Merced King Diamond received a uh, a letter because I think this kind of predates emailing. I guess he received like a cease and desist letter or whatever from Gene because you know then there was the impending lawsuit. And I don't even think I don't even recall if anything kind of happened with with that. I think Gene probably just realized, okay, this is stupid, and and just kind of let it go. But to see those papers. Okay, even if it's just encased in plastic, you know, which all of this stuff, at the end of the day, all of this stuff, okay, has to be protected by a little more than a velvet rope. <laughs> okay, because oh, yeah. what, merc what merciful fate fan wouldn't want to get his hands on King Diamond's Bone Cross Mike, yeah. you know? And ne they'd never even sell it. I want it. I would, I would never sell it. I would just have it hanging on my living room wall for the rest of my <laughs> yeah, life. Exactly. This is, and it would be the same thing with Gene Simmons's, like his lawsuit papers, just to see them, just to read yeah. them. You know, because it was such a big story for us back then. You know, and I'm sure over the years, and I've done this myself, okay, in art class, doing my uh, my art teacher that year. I want you to paint a paint. I want you to draw a portrait of someone. Well, I chose King Diamond. Rock on. I, I, I did this kick-ass picture and all that, but I got like a D on it because my fucking teacher that year was just, she just didn't like anything except what her interpretation of what art was. Okay, and this, this picture was amazing. Okay, and it just made me think. Just, I'm sure over the years that that King Diamond got in the mail or whatever, or signed so many pieces of fan art. You know, like like to see all that, you could have, you could probably have an entire Merciful Fate wing of just fan art of of King Diamond. And all that. And that would definitely be worth it. I would shell out 50 bucks for, yeah, that's kind of the bar, I guess, we'll, we'll go for. I I'll, I'll, would definitely shell out for a Merciful Fate exhibit. As a, uh, as a tour guide, I was thinking about this. You know, it'd be really cool. Hmm. One of those um, journalists that you know, kind of got, got, got behind uh, Merciful Fate, not only in the early years, but in the later years, a guy like Mike Exley, he was a, uh, he was a writer for Metal Forces magazine. Now, like he was, he, he, he was one of those writers, like we have always said on the show. Okay. Um, we've never, we've never heard this record. But we've seen the artwork, we've seen the the song titles, and then we've read the the art, we read the review in Metal 
Battle Forces. Mike Exley says, okay, this is a really good record. Sold. I would really like to have some of these journalists from back in the day, the ones that are still with us. I'd like to have them on the show one of these days. You know, from Metal Forces, Metal Hammer, some of the cool Metal Mania type zine. Someone from Maximum Rock and Roll. That'd be so you know, cool. like let's yeah, that would be really cool. So yeah, King Diamond, Merciless, Merciful Fate, really cool stuff. What you got? Well, everybody, take a drink, Chuck Berry. <laughs> yes, ah, I gotta buy someone a beer next show. Thanks, yeah. man. Yeah, you're welcome. Yeah, but like, you know, for me, like that's absolutely, ah, dude. I I would. And, and the funny thing is there's probably not that much memorabilia that I haven't seen because I, I don't think he kept a lot of stuff. You know, when I, when I watch the movies and read the books, he played whatever he could get somebody to endorse him with. Like, he, he was a very shrewd business guy. Um, but I'll tell you, when I was at um, Blueberry Hill in St. Louis... And um, I talked the owner into letting me go downstairs and see the duck room where, where Chuck would play once a month. Because I, I missed it by a week. I was either a week early or a week late when mm-hmm. I was there. Um, that, honestly, like that bar, Blueberry Hill in St. Louis, had better Chuck Berry memorabilia than the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Ah, no doubt. And like, like that was the, the stuff I'm like, oh yeah, this is really, really good stuff. And I, I don't know. There, there's so many times I'm disappointed in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame because I'm like, are you sure you're thinking about rock and roll? But <laughs> anyway, I digress. But yeah, Chuck Berry. Right on. Right on. No, cool. And once again, there's an artist with, you know, a lot of history there as well. No, I, 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 I totally get that. Oh, okay. You want to talk about a band that would have a lot of cool shit to see? Guar. Oh, my goodness. Oh, oh, geez. Just all of the old props. Uh, uh, Okay, because every tour, it's a different person, a different celebrity, you know, a different person in, 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 in the public eye and all that. That they tear apart, that they eviscerate, and all that, and it's just, of course, it's all justified because it's all politicians, it's all evangelists, you know, evangelists and all that. So I totally get that. All of those stuff, and I've, we've I've seen Guar so many times live, and it never gets old. But you know, there's some stuff that I haven't seen, and all that. So some of the old costumes, some of the old props. And all that. One of the things that I think would be a really cool treat or, you know, okay, because when you're going through and all that, one of the exhibits is an opportunity, okay, for you to shoot the blood cannon. Oh, that'd be like awesome. one of the, like, wouldn't that, I mean, I've been the recipient of it <laughs> yeah okay, i'll never forget this one this one guar show that uh the, i took i took the blood cannon directly in the face <laughs> about four times in one show dude 
okay, like, and there was no way I was moving. Okay, <laughs> I took the first time it hit me. It's like, okay, this is really cool. A couple of songs later, boom, hits me again. And I've talked about this on the show. Our longtime listeners will remember me yakking about this. About four times I took that fucking can into the face. And it's just it's just one of my favorite memories. Now, to shoot it myself, okay, uh, who wouldn't pay 50 bucks for that? Oh, yeah. You know, that would be absolutely fantastic. And, of course, that makes me remember moving Guar's stuff. The last time Ninja Cat Productions brought Guar here. Okay, which I'm so glad we didn't have to clean up the uh, the venue afterwards <laughs> because there was there was literally you know a, a almost a lake of fake blood on in front of the stage. Uh, okay, like when you walked, you splashed your feet splashed. <laughs> okay, when you went when you went through it because they. They have an insane amount of blood, that, that fake blood that we use. I was fortunate enough to be one of the guys that moved the blood tanks from the trailer into the venue. As a matter of fact, I remember not getting into a real fight, but with our good buddy Ducky. We were like, I'm like, dude, I'm moving the blood tanks in. <laughs> no, you know what? No, I'm moving the blood tanks. And these fuckers were heavy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but, but, so I took one, he took one, but it's like, yeah, that will always be a special memory. There's just so much. And of course, everything like the legacy of Dave Brocky as well, odorous, everything that he, he brought to the table and everything in involving with him and all that. I just, wow. Like a Guar exhibit could go on for days. Well, it, it would go on <laughs> for days and it would be like walking through like, like a horror movie set, you know, oh, like yeah, you see yeah, all, all yeah. those kind of costumes. Cause I mean, essentially every concert tour is a mini horror show of some sort, you know, it is definitely. Definitely. And thinking think thinking of a tour guide, okay, and I'll never forget the uh, the day I sat down and just started talking and remember sharing memories about Dave Brocky with Tony Foresta from uh, Municipal Waste and Iron Reagan, good friend of the show. We've had him on a number of times. I can't wait till he comes back to town. I'll never forget the time and this is a this is public record. It was on. It was on the show when we sat and we talked shortly after Dave Brocky had left us and all that. I could see what a really good friend that that he was, and it was. It will always be a really special moment for me on this show. So I think Tony would make a great tour guide through all things Guar because they also came from West Virginia, the same scene, Richmond. As, as 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 well, they came from the same scene and all that. So definitely, Guar, awesome stuff. And if they ever do this, if they want my uh, special edition original red vinyl version of the Hello album, 
which is one of my cherished pieces. As long as it got to me back in one piece, I will donate that to a Guar museum. Does anything Guar touch ever come back in one piece? <laughs> probably, probably not. Probably not. What else you got? I, that was it. That was, that was it. it. Those oh, are the big ones. Fair enough. Well, the clock on the wall is telling me we should probably kind of wrap this up because, again, again, we're going to go into extra innings here. But I'm so glad, okay, that you uh, mentioned Pusshead earlier because I've got him on my list of some of the stuff that I would want to see. Because here's a guy. He's one of the original. Because he's one of the original artists. Not only is... Okay, he's mostly known, unfortunately, or fortunately, for all of his... No, no, because most of his Pusshead's work with Metallica was during the 80s, during, you know, the the what I call the Metallica heyday. You know, with the Damage Inc. stuff and all, and all that, and the, the skateboards and all that. Um. So yeah, the, there's just so much. There's so much there. There's so much artwork that we probably haven't seen. Okay, because you can only do so much, and of course, with the artwork, you know, coming from the hardcore punk scene as well, he's got so much artwork on skateboards. Yeah. Uh, yeah, because. That's that that was that 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 was all part part and parcel of it. And I know that's particularly of interest to you as well as as myself. So there could probably a whole a whole pushead wing could just probably be different designs on various skateboards. And of course, these his his work with with Metallica and album covers and all that. And I'm sure. I'm sure, okay, if he's probably had a dozen sketchbooks over the years. Oh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> okay, of, of stuff we've never seen, stuff that he just doodled on the bus or backstage or, you know, I'm sure he was always doing something like that. Just, uh, like, I would pay 50 bucks just, just to see some of that stuff. And I would probably pay a hell of a lot more for like a, a real original Pusshead sketchbook. You know, I'm sure I'm sure there's a lot of really cool stuff like that. And for a tour guide, a realistic tour tour guide, Pusshead himself. It's not like he's this big fucking rock star or whatever. You know, he. I'm sure he would. Would, would would step up and hey, if, who better to do this than him? That I really, something. I really, I really think that that would work. And of course, the the guy is so elusive. I've tried a couple times over the years to have him on the show. <laughs> it's just trying try, trying to get a hold of that guy, and I don't see a whole hell of a lot of interviews. You know, beyond the eighties, I haven't seen a whole hell of a lot anywhere and i and all that so yeah to have him as a real coup and i would have to make a deal with him it's like yeah i'll 
bring me and five of my friends, which five of them would want to show up anyways. Yeah, we'll come down if you agree to be on Radioactive Metal when, when we're done. Give me ten minutes of your time. I definitely think that is a fair deal. Uh, before we kind of wrap this up, let's get on with some tunes here. Let's drop a track from Pusshead's Septic Death. From the Need So Much Attention EP, that first record that got my attention from them. This is the medley Sweat of a Nightmare, Core of Reality. I am the beast of fear. again um kind of going in extra innings and i know okay right now i don't know how many independent bands you know you know are yelling and screaming at us right now fuck once again you guys didn't do the indie spotlight it's been three or four episodes now and all that yes yes i know but we just get we have these these cool discussions and all that and we kind of Sorry, kind of sort of run out of time and all that. So remind me, next episode for sure. Let's get to an indie spotlight. Before we do get on out of here, let's go out on a track from the uh, Danish black metal band Hexus. They came through town earlier this week. 
okay, supporting their latest record, which drops at the end of August, Aeternum. Okay, and this is this is a really cool band. I really didn't know much about them, but I gave them a, sh- a chance. I was going to go see them because our former co-host Sky Sky was hosting them at Bulldogs. Oh, okay, this is great. I'm going to come down. I'll have a chat with him with with the band. It's 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 always a good time. Never seen this band live. Great day of the show. And I'm not going to go into details, but I can't make it. Uh, and you know me, missing a show that I really want to see, like I'll open my wrists. You oh, know, yeah. I just it 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 just drives me drives me nuts. So I figured, you know what? I'll make it up to all of our Hexes fans listening now, and we'll go out on a track. How about the first single off of that record, Divinitus? Uh, how can uh, people get a hold of us? Well, dear snowman, facebook.com slash radmetal. That's one of our social sites. But to see the lovely images of all the fun stuff we've talked about tonight, head on to at radmetal666 on Instagram. Um, I put pictures up tonight as we record for last week's episode which dropped today which will be two weeks old by the time you hear about this um you know i always wanted to be a time traveler and now i am but check out the instagram because we're trying to get better at posting things i still need to post up the record albums from last week but um the the hall that i talked about today with the metallica the art um the great hat i got from future monsters like i just i've been literally just sitting here playing with this hat the entire time like putting it on my head taking it off my head because i love it so much um but like yeah we'll we'll try and get all that stuff up on instagram this week because you know that's the fun stuff so head there Mm -hmm. um you want to drop us a a a direct email radmetal666 at gmail.com um, you can go to iTunes, you can go to Stitcher, Spreaker, Google Play, wherever, and find us, right? That's mm-hmm. that's where we are. We're pretty much anywhere you can find a podcast. If you want to go to our direct site, it's radioactivemetal.org. That will take you to our site that has all the episodes, past, present, future. And you can check those out. And then we are also a part of the Shining Wizards Network, shiningwizardsnetwork.com. It's a host of lifestyle, wrestling, music podcasts. Uh, Check it out because not only are we there, there's also a sister podcast called A Wrestling Night in Canada, hosted Mm -hmm. by the snowman himself with a few other Good. good Winnipeg boys. And um, because of the fine folks at Shining Wizards, well, we're also on Spotify. So if you go to Spotify, you can listen to the show. So really, there's not a place you can't find us. No, no. We are definitely wherever. And of course, okay, what am I, okay the, the place that I like to go to listen to any podcast is Player FM. Okay, I... I know it's not it's not the service that one immediately thinks of, but all you got to do is Google the name of the podcast you want, along with Player FM. It pops up. You don't have to download an app. You don't have to do any anything. It's just there. Download it. 
and you're ready to rock and roll. So that's kind of my my favorite. And of course, yes, the Shining Wizards Network, shiningwizardsnetwork.com. Just a lot of a lot of amazing shows. Even before we uh, came on, we uh, I was listening to a variety of these podcasts that are part of the network, and a lot of them are still there. The Shining Wizards podcast, the Midnight Jury, Inconclusive Breakdown, Turnbuckle Throwbacks. Like I remember when I first discovered it, all of these shows, and they're still doing it, still doing great stuff, and we are glad to be a part of that. Um, in the meantime and in between time, that's it. This has been an entombed episode of radioactive metal i'm snowy white and this is aaron signing off